On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about ending the regular season as the number two seed in the NFC. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram at Packers Podcast and Twitter at Packers Pod. And with that, let's go pack. Jones, look at that balance. Welcome back to the telling the regular season goodbye, everyone in Wisconsin yelling at Graham. Cut that guy. Crosby's leg breaks the ultimate tie. Offense ain't in sync, but we still singing bye 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 on the Pack It Up Packers podcast. What? What a game. Let's dive right into it. Are we okay being team win ugly? Heck no. I said <laughs> I said the only way that this game could be close, the only way this game script kept this game close was if we came in unfocused and undisciplined. We were those two things plus inaccurate. And if we just focus on the inaccuracies, we wouldn't have won the last two games ugly if we just made the plays that were there for us to make. The defense is playing solid. The offense, I can't understand why we're not connecting on these balls. I'm fine winning ugly. It's just exactly what Dan said, how we are winning ugly. You know, it's the inaccuracy of Aaron Rodgers. It's the stupid penalties, uh, false turnovers starts, against the Vikings, turnovers. Uh, it's pass interference, offense or defense. Uh, it's stupid things that we should know better. Uh, some, you know, we'll get into some of those penalties, but, it, you know, it, I'm fine with it because we're winning. We're 13 and three. Um, you know, it's way better than what I thought we'd end the season with. But, yeah, it, it's uh, very concerning going into the playoffs. Don't you I think, pre- Ryan, those last two games we win comfortably if in Minnesota we don't turn it over and if in Detroit we just throw it to the open guy successfully? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't remember who it was on Twitter. Sorry to whoever it is. But they went through and reversed your record. So if you won a uh, game within uh, one score, they flipped it. If you lost a game within the score, they flipped it. Packers would have dropped from like second seed to ninth if you if they would have had these close games go the opposite way. I was always against it. I don't I don't like how some of the times we use it as a crutch of, well, it doesn't really matter. We're still winning. It's like, ugh, but you don't understand how close we are to ruining this season. Uh, but at that point, it's just I, I think I have my 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 tolerance for <laughs> just average play has greatly increased. And, man, I just hope that they can get wins. And I, I think that's what it comes down to is playoff football is literally just getting a W. It doesn't matter stats. It doesn't matter seating. It's just can you get a win three more? Uh, and I don't quite know about that, and we'll touch on it at some point. But let's talk about this offense. The first half, I don't know if it could have gone any worse. The second half, they definitely turned it around. Uh, Aaron Rodgers floating around 50% all game in terms of completion. Uh, Danny Amendola 
is the best quarterback of this game. And for a lot of the time, it was David Blau who was actually the best quarterback. Uh, Aaron Jones, thank you again for everything you do. Thank you, baby Jesus. Holy crap. (laughs) Tyler Irvin, not only in return game, setting up the Packers around the 40-yard line twice, uh, but he got involved within the offense, which is awesome to see. And Devonta Adams, which this is mind-blowing. This is the second time in the last three seasons that he's fallen short of 1,000 yards by three yards. But let's talk about this offense. What do we make of it? I know that the number 12 is going to get a little bit more attention, as he always does. Before we jump into Rodgers getting the attention, let's just highlight no Jamal Williams or Danny Vitale in a game we thought was going to focus the run and maybe specifically Jamal Williams. So they go to Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams as the backup running backs, and they only shared three carries. Now, like you said, Ryan, thank you, Tyler Irvin. In the first half, it felt like he was the only good offense we had on his kick returns. And then his one run for 10 yards, I believe, was in the first half. Uh, Outside of him and J.K. Scott, that first half from an offensive perspective was horrendous. And Scott was just helping us with field position. But not having those running backs made a huge difference. So, like I said, thank you, baby Jesus, that we have Aaron freaking Jones. But let's get into the bad side. 55 throws from Aaron Rodgers and not all of them accurate. Yeah, I was reading in The Athletic. uh, I guess ESPN started a new stat in 2017 for overthrows. Um, and he tied an NFL record with that with 16 overthrows in one single game. Okay. Who's counting those again? Uh, that was the athletic. I'm not sure who wrote it, but it came from the athletic. Oof. So I went back and albeit I was a uh, middle tier and that's being generous high school quarterback. Uh, and it's, I was well below middle tier high school quarterback, but with my eyes, the, I read, I saw two drops. MVS's ball was behind him. Uh, but he should have caught it. And then Jimmy Graham's was a drop. So he he had two catches in there that uh, were the fault of the receivers. But I only counted seven to seven and a half. And I'll explain my half where they were open wide receivers that Rodgers missed. And I should take out the word only because that's still a high number. But I've read 12 to 16 from the mainstream media. And I think that's way too high. We're being way too uh, the, the bar for a normal performance for Aaron Rodgers is way too high. Like dropping it into this tight window along the sideline to Alan Lazard 30 yards downfield, and it was barely out of bounds. I heard the radio guy saying he's got to get it out sooner. Okay, guys, like we're, we're, we're getting a little too hard on Rodgers here. The seven overthrows are bad, and the half that I'm calling is the interception he had, which is actually an underthrow, but getting the ball to Kumaro on third and long late in the fourth quarter. It was bad to not complete a third and long. I agree with that, but it was a 40-yard punt in essence, so I'll look past that one. Um, so bad day, but maybe not as bad as the numbers as the press wanted to run with. Uh, but so many open guys, and his comments after the game, Aaron's comments after the game were just like, yeah, they felt good out of my hand. It just wasn't a good day. I, I don't know what was going on. Well, that's a good answer from a guy that's been in the league for 15 years and prides himself on knowing every little detail of the game. Today, he just didn't know what was going on. And I didn't get uh, just our offensive game plan. Even when we, you know, beginning of the first half, just all the throws downfield. Um, that's not how we've won this year. Uh, and I, I'm not sure why they turned to it. Do, do you guys have any idea why that was their focus? That was my biggest frustration. I believe he ended up with 17 of his 55 throws were over 20 yards. And we talked about it in the previous weeks recently, but 
it just seems like we're okay winging it towards the sideline. Like, oh, you know what? There's probably a better chance that it goes out of bounds and nobody receives it, catches it, but that's fine. It's just like you saw in the second half, and I think the biggest reason they started kind of getting this offensive engine going is they were okay shortening the field, getting into a rhythm, and getting going. And I, I, I just I don't know how much of that is Rodgers checking out of certain play calling. I don't know if there's just – this overall confidence of my receivers can get it, but to have a third, a third of your throws go for 20 and beyond, and I don't know how many of those were even completions, uh, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. You're right. Those out routes were open all day. I was listening to the radio version yesterday, and then I rewatched the game today on Game Pass, and Devontae's out routes uh, just couldn't be covered, including the critical fourth down in, in the fourth quarter on that drive. It was just like a one-yard out route, and it seems like the Lions' defense knew it was coming, but why we didn't just throw out route after out route after out route after out route and just keep moving the ball down the field, I don't know. We kept going back to a deep ball and setting ourselves back and not converting on third downs. But did you guys see this Devontae touchdown route? How beautiful. Oh, oh, my yeah. Lord. This a route-running guru. We are blessed to have him. The rest of the receiving core. Hot and cold. Alan Lazard looked pretty good. I mean, that guy sticks his nose into every block in the running game, and I think it's like having an extra tight end out there that's a little more willing than some of our other guys even. Uh, but his touchdown was great. I mean, give credit to Aaron Rodgers for sticking in the pocket long enough to get Lazard open downfield on that one. Aaron Jones almost uh, being murdered on the field on the one throw. Uh, the other thing, too, is uh, I just felt like we were trying to get Jimmy and MVS overly involved. 14 targets between the two of them. They only made six catches, and there were some ugly drops. There was some bad route running. It just – I don't know why in the world when you have somebody like Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard that always steps up, even Aaron Jones I would have loved to have seen, just more kind of simple throws, but we kept forcing it to Jimmy and MVS all day long. And Devontae Adams was doubled most of the day. I think every third down play, he was double teamed. So even on that touchdown pass, for him to get open uh, through that zone, I mean, it was just beautiful. Um, But I am so surprised our other wide receivers didn't step up. I mean, they were in single coverage uh, most of the game. And Alan Lazard sort sort of showed up when it counted most. Um, But all the third and long plays, like I think we had six third and tens. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, I, I think we're just in love with the uh, third and long plays. We don't care about getting yards on first and second. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're in love with third and long plays. Hey, is anyone surprised uh, Geronimo had a fumble? No. <sighs> it's just like Got a weekly him. ritual at this point, right? Cut him. Oh, my God. <laughs> we yelled. I think we texted cut him about 15 times in that first half between that opening play to Jimmy was – I. I I don't want to hinge all of our first half on that play, but I have to believe if we're immediately at the 50-yard line, this offense gets going a lot sooner than end of third quarter. And it's just I, – I, he's a liability out there blocking, and he's a liability on making big catches. And Geronimo, bless his heart for trying to, so hard after the catch to gain some extra yards, but his percentage of fumbles – after catch uh, has to be top in the league. It's unbelievable what he's able to do after making the catch. I uh, didn't really focus on Jimmy Graham in the run game, but I thought he had a decent game after the drop. And I 
totally agree with what you mean with the drop just sort of set the tone to a terrible first half there uh, in hindsight. But I thought after that, you know, he went four for 49 on six targets, if you're not including that opening drop. And a couple were actually tough catches. They were in tight quarters uh, in the middle of the field. So I'll give him credit there. I, I don't know what he did in the running game necessarily. But, um, you know, the, the two linemen that came in, though, and bailed us out. It, you know, props to Gutekunst for having a deeper roster than he normally would because Valdir, Jared Valdir comes in at the end of the third quarter and holds his own in the passing game to a degree that I don't think we could have expected out of Alex Light. And Lucas Patrick, our nice versatile uh, interior lineman, picked up for Corey Lindsay in the second quarter. And he didn't really notice a drop necessarily in the running game or the pass blocking. That was crucial. Yeah. And, and back to the win ugly statement you brought up at the beginning, Foose, you know, it just seems that this Packers team plays to their opponent's level every single game. It, 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 other than the West Coast, you know, debacles that we had with San Francisco. Where we played way under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everyone else, it just seems like we were like, okay, they're this good. Okay, let's just do that. You know, we'll match enough, get enough rushing yards, get an interception here or there. It'll be enough. Um, but I, I, I just think it's so fitting for this season to end this way with how it's been all all year long. Absolutely. I just, I, I don't know, man, I really hope two weeks we figure something out. And I think that's, that's the thing we kind of keep bringing up is Rodgers is still good. He's not that perfect godlike quarterback that he's been in the years past, but I still felt confident with the ball in his hands with two minutes to go that we were going to get into field goal range and win it. And that's what you need. You need a quarterback that you at least feel comfortable with saying, Hey, manage these first three quarters and let's go for the throw in the fourth. I, I hope whoever it ends up being in the second round of the playoffs, we feel confident the offense can at least somewhat get going, get Jamal back in the fold. Hopefully Vitaly's there as well, and we can really go for it. So let's switch over to the defensive side, and we need to pause this podcast and just thank Blake Martinez for one of the two best back-to-back plays he's had all season. Were they Blake's? So, huh? Were they Blake's? Well, the pass. sack and the interception? Yeah. Were they not Zadarius's plays? It was 50-50. <laughs> but you know Come what? On. We, 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 we got to give a little give credit, credit to Blake, yeah, man. Yeah. We gotta get, he had a club on his hand and he, he still he caught the caught ball. He caught the ball with a cast, but he wasn't covering anyone. The pass rush from Zadarius made Bloth throw a terrible ball, and the sack was Zadarius making him step up right into Blake. Credit to Blake. He had a tackle for loss before that, but oh my! I just want to throw up when I watch film. He gets pushed backwards on blocks. And he falls backwards on tackles. And I would just love to see him gain some lower body strength and push forwards for once as a defensive player. The sack interception, listening to the radio, I high-fived my wife. And we're like, Blake Martinez, he did. Oh, my God. We've been so hard on him all year. And then I watched it back. I'm like, oh, those were all Zadarius Smith plays. <laughs> wow, Danny Downer. Okay. Yeah, you know, what? you know what? I'm hey, I'm <laughs> highlighting just how good Zadarius Smith has been. He's single-handedly changed a game. You know, I was going to say before you just trashed him again, I said if he has another two plays like that in the postseason, let's welcome him back. Oh, uh, okay. No, that's too far. <laughs> you could welcome back with a size small T-shirt jersey. Oh. It is amazing. Zedarius had a quote-unquote quiet day on the stat sheet. He's actually last in terms of one total tackle. That was it. And 
But he's forcing the play every single time. I was surprised that we only had one sack this game. I thought that was going to be closer to four or five. Uh, But it, it was, again, one of those things where... Detroit's running game was scary for who they had in 171 yards rushing, including the Johnsons that went for 14 carries and about 120 yards. Ty Johnson, I don't know why he didn't get more than three carries as he was averaging almost 22 per. But it's just the defense was good. They definitely weren't great, especially with. By the second half, Detroit not having a receiving core whatsoever outside of Danny Amendola. But I, I, I'm i not too worried. I knew there was going to be a letdown, especially with how good they were in Minnesota. To have back-to-back games of that level, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to see. Yeah. I, I ahead, just Jeff. didn't understand the defensive line. I mean, Zadarius Smith did Zadarius Smith thing. I was Just like you said, I was listening on the radio with like Dan and... His name was mentioned a ton on the radio, so I, I I thought when I'd bring up the stat sheet, he'd have great stats. But yeah, lone sack, or half a sack and a tackle. Um, but the interior defensive line, with how great they've been playing against the Bears and the Vikings, I, I thought for sure this would be an easy game for them with how uh, beat up the Lions were. And even Kenny Clark, he had five tackles, but he, he those were all really downfield. They weren't in the back of the field. He had one tackle for loss, I think. Um, but it was just very dis- disappointing with how they played in this game. So the runs up the middle, that was very concerning watching that happen because you're going to face good running teams. Like you guys said, the defense, while statistically you can say they came up clutch, you know, they gave up 14 points and then they really clamped down the Lions the second half or a ton of three and outs. But you could easily say one less three and out in this game was a loss. You could easily say Kenny Galladay had three for 72. And I think he left in the second quarter that he was about to go for 150 yards and maybe turn the tides of this game. If the Lions had a halfway healthy team and we came out with this kind of performance, we were going to lose this game. So it wasn't how you would like to roll into the playoffs considering we didn't rest anyone outside of Jamal Williams for this game. He came out with a quote today saying he would have played if it were a playoff game. But the, on the, uh, us, you know, flipping back to the defensive side, on the pass rushes specifically, you guys were saying, you know, upset with the disruption. And one thing I noticed watching this back is we had a lot of three or four man rushes in the first half which normally we can get away with, but we are really neutral in our disguises, except for a savage blitz, which was actually on a run play, so it didn't turn into be a, a pass rush. In the second half is when we finally started masking our pressure. We were even dropping Zadarius Smith into coverage to confuse them, sending Adrian Amos on some blitzes, and we were sending more than four. We, were, we started sending five to get a rush on David Blau, and that's where he started missing some of his throws, where he had guys open, but he was inaccurate because he's still a, a developing rookie quarterback. So I think we came in with this vanilla game plan that we expected they would have and as soon as we realized it wasn't going to work we pulled out all the stops in the second half and it worked yeah i think you're exactly right especially since the teams that we're probably going to be facing you know most likely the saints uh, who we haven't played uh, so they would be looking at you know most recent film to get on us so i i think that is a great uh, point you bring up i think they held back uh, in their game plan, I think they wanted to h- hold some things by their side and not show them uh, to whoever they would be playing. Yeah, I think it. I think I uh, I kind of elevate the second half performance worth how bad the first half ended. To have 80 yard touchdown drive, 
And I thought that 51 yard play to get into field goal range after we just hit a field goal to get that far down uh, on really just that big 40 yard gain. I was demoralized because at that point it was 17 to three. You thought me with the field goal, at least we got points on the board. We'll get the ball back in the first half and to give up 10 points in that last kind of eight or so minutes was brutal. Then we come out and miss a field goal to start the second half. But you really look at it, other than that field goal drive that was only 38 yards, the the Lions only averaged 11 yards per drive that whole second half, and that includes interception. They, they definitely kind of elevated their game by far, uh, and it's just, it's just one of those things that – I I think they looked tired. It looked like it was a celebration. There was nothing serious taken about these Detroit Lions. And for that first half, they definitely took advantage of it. But we get the win. We become only the second team in NFL history to sweep an opponent without leading a single second of a game. Nope. So uh, <laughs> thank you, Detroit. I'm sorry. Soggy sorrows for you guys. But Works Thank for you, us. Mason Crosby. Yes, yeah. absolutely. My goodness. And I was going to pull that up. I believe since he had that catastrophic game in Detroit last year, he's now 92% on field goals and 99% on extra points. So sign him, keep him. Did, did I'm, you guys I'm on the Mason Crosby vibe still before we move on? On the 51-yarder, first of all, did you expect him to miss that? Because didn't you just have the vibe like yeah. this thing? This ain't going yeah, it didn't in. Feel right. We're trying a fifty-one yarder. I thought we'd go for it there. I, I I'm not quite sure why we tried the field goal. Yeah, the way the whole game had went when I heard on the radio, and he misses. It's like, of course he did. But outside of that, making the rest, uh, you know, it was a chip shot at the end. But Mason Crosby was in clutch all year, and good for him for getting some redemption in Detroit. And then in the fourth quarter, what would have been hysterical was it was seventeen thirteen. We're kicking it back to Detroit, and he has this kickoff that lands on the goal line and bounces back into the playing field if that ball had landed about two inches shorter in the playing field to begin with that was a live ball and i think detroit would have recovered it but they would have had the ball on like their three yard line and that would have been just a beautiful statement from mason crosby total luck but would have been uh you know how sports can be uh storytelling in that sort of fashion that would have been awesome so a great game from him and just short of you know creating like a fairy tale out of that kickoff i will say I thought he missed the uh, the, the field goal. The final one. I yeah. my Close when it first started, I started throwing up. I was like, "Oh God, no! <laughs> We're not. We can't go to overtime." And then it slipped in there, and I said, "Amen, Jesus." So football, as we know it, is a game of inches, and we saw that in Seattle as they literally came oh. inches short, and we could go on forever about what the hell happened in that last series. But the NSC ends up as San Francisco is the first seed, Packers is the second seed, both those teams with buys, then Saints, Eagles, Seahawks, Vikings. So we'll probably have an extensive podcast next week that will talk about who we're facing, what we're feeling, and all that. But right now, Saints have a chance at redemption at home against the Vikings after that Hail Mary pass last year, and the Eagles, who in a similar situation as the Lions, yet they're nine and seven. I don't know who the hell they're playing with uh, come Sunday, but they face Seattle. So, what do we feel about this NSC? What are you kind of feeling as though the second round will end up being? Josh, I want to hear your take first before I go. You know, I I will not be surprised if Philly and Minnesota win. Um, 
Only, beca- only because Minnesota will have Dalvin Cook back. Now, honestly, I think the Saints will blow them out, but I would not be surprised if Minnesota won. Dome, dome team. Um, they can air it out. Maybe they get some big plays going. I mean, it only takes, you know, two big plays to get the team going. Um, and then Philly, Seattle is not playing well right now. Um, they were rolling all, all cylinders, you know, four or five weeks back. Um, and without their running game, especially Chris Carson, I am not as scared of Seattle. Um, their defense is still solid. You know, they'll, they'll still show up. Um, but Philly actually scares me a little bit more with uh, one. You're more scared of Philadelphia and, than Seattle and their passing game. I just think they might beat Seattle. I, I don't I'm okay. not scared as a Packer fan. I just think they might beat Seattle. Boy, I would love that scenario. Eagles coming to Green Bay. I mean, that would be best case scenario. I did see the Seahawks lost Mikhail Hendricks to a or Kendricks, I should say, linebacker to a ACL and a wide receiver to a concussion that they're saying is going to be a week or two. Uh, Jerron Brown. So, yeah, they're dinged up as well. That that Seahawks Eagles game might be the two teams in the NFC with the longest injury report, uh, including bringing back Marshawn Marshawn Lynch from serving up shots out in Oakland to now being on an NFL team two weeks later. Um, you know, I, I called 13 and three being good enough at our midseason review for home field for the entire playoffs. Uh, turns out it wasn't good enough by a couple inches from Seattle. Who would expected that? But we got the bye. Uh, I'm still predicting a win in that divisional round, whoever it is. And if it's the Saints, I'm going to hesitate a little more on that prediction. But I'll just go purely off a of breeze in hopefully zero degree weather in Green Bay as opposed to the Dome gives us that edge. But I'm kind of rooting for Kirk Cousins. And we had this debate <laughs> offline, but um, is it really a primetime game? It's just wild card. He could still show up to this one, right? Yeah, it is the day game. Yeah. yeah. So he's set. He's set. Oh, he's, he's going to ball out yeah. 400 yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just I can't imagine the Saints losing at home. I, I, I just feel like that if I look at this full kind of slate of games that we're going to have up this upcoming weekend, Titans, Patriots, I actually think will be very, very competitive. Bills and Texans will also be good. Saints, Vikings just seems like the one where I would be absolutely jaw to the floor amazed if the Vikings can pull it off. Uh, hopefully they're playing a little coy and just saying, oh, we're so banged up. We're not on the same page. And then Cook comes back 100 percent healthy. But I, I kind of agree with Josh. I don't think the Seahawks are, are who we think they are right now. I think the Eagles kind of have this this Super Bowl feel that they had a couple years ago where they're just putting together wins and making it happen. But I think at the end of the day, we are going to be welcoming the Saints on Sunday night in two weeks, which, again, let it snow don't cut the grass, like just let this slow down as much as we can because they are in prime position with Cook and Thomas and uh, Kamara to just do nasty, nasty things to our defense. But yeah, hopefully the Vikings pull it off because I definitely feel a little bit more comfortable with them coming to Lambeau. Yeah, and uh, how about those Tennessee Titans, boys? Uh, Who cares? (laughs) I call it. I call it. No one cares. The U.S. state, the United States of America doesn't care. I don't think well, Nashville really cares. When they beat cares. the Patriots, well, when they beat the Patriots, they'll all care. My brother and sister-in-law drove from uh, Wisconsin down to Florida for the holidays, and they drove through Nashville, and I got a photo, and it's the first time my sister-in-law has seen Nissan Stadium where the Titans play, and the text just says, the Titans stadium is ugly. <laughs> like, so is their So team. true. So true. And their fans. 
Hey, boys, happy, though, that uh, not the next time we record, but for this divisional round game, we have all booked our flights to Vegas and yeah. we will be watching live in, oh in a Vegas sports book with some dumb bets put on some <laughs> dumb plays. <laughs> and that's the thing. We're, the last game of the weekend is is Packers, which means it's 40 oh, yeah. hours of drinking while looking at a betting slip going, you know what? I believe and doing some irrational things. So I the Saints are going to hurt me, I think, in more ways than one. But we'll recap that next week. We're taking the rest of this week off. We're going to kickstart 2020 goals. And then we will be back for our divisional round playoff. Let's go. Thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.